Digital Officer Bob Howland has changed 27 enterprises. A true e-commerce veteran, he helps companies transform before they get disrupted. We asked Bob to join us on the show to talk about his latest project, Dawn Foods. If you're wondering what Dawn Foods does, here's what Bob has to say. If you've ever eaten a donut, you've experienced Dawn Foods. The company has been around for a hundred years, starting as a small bakery in 1920. Today, it's a 4,000 people enterprise selling baking ingredients in 110 countries. In 2019, they asked themselves, what do we need to do to stay in business for the next 100 years? They decided it was time to enter e-commerce. That's right. Before 2019, the only way a baker could order from Dawn was to give their order to a salesperson who came to their shop and physically took their order on a piece of paper. They knew it was time to change. That's when they hired Bob. And here's the magic part. They built it in just 22 weeks. How is that possible? Here's a hint. It has very little to do with technology. It has a lot to do with mindset. In this episode, Bob shares how to get people on board by cultivating courage, resiliency, and collaboration. You're listening to People Changing Enterprises, the show for status quo busters inside enterprises who are ready to make change happen. I'm your host, Jasmine Goodman, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Bob Howland. Transforming a business is a little bit about technology, but it's mostly about the people. Getting people to change their old ways of doing things, getting them excited about new ways of doing things, and keeping the momentum going through tough times. Bob, you've said in previous interviews that you are the chief moving the dots closer together officer. I love that expression, by the way. What does that look like in practice? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, Jasmine, great to be here with you today. So many companies would plan, 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 talk, 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 think, think, think about a transformation as big as moving into e-commerce in your hundredth year. And for me, I'm a big believer in show and tell. People are visual, people learn experientially, and you know you can't really build an e-commerce business by PowerPoint or whiteboard. And so for me, in my first few days even on the job, I made a big decision, which is to put an MVP in the market. And we put an MVP in the market in six weeks. And the goal of that was really to show the company what the experience would be like if we acted today and did no planning, did not change the business, but just put what we could in the market in front of the customer. And I have to tell you that the MVP, the beta product, was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever put my name on. But it did show the company the gap between where we were today and what we needed to do quickly to enable an e-commerce business. Now, I'm a big believer that the tech part is easy and the people process part is hard. And so for the company, this wasn't the new guy coming in and saying, do this, do that. This was all of us looking at the MVP and saying, oh my gosh, we can't go to the market with that. We need images for our products. We had no images. 
we need pricing for our products. We had no discernible way to calculate pricing correctly for each product, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so the mere fact of putting an MVP in the market, showing the business, including the board of directors, what that looked like gave me the ability to put meat on the bones when it came to the planning, the activities, the work that people had to do to really you know, roll this boulder up the mountain. That was one of the most important things I did in terms of moving the dots together, right? Show people in ways they can relate to what work needs to be done. That requires an extraordinary amount of bravery, I'm tempted to say, right? Is that how it felt for you at the time? The word I used was courage. So courage, conviction, those were two of the big words that came out of my mouth so many times in my first hundred days. And it was courage for the organization. We are a company in our hundred years, we had done many, many transformative things. We went from being a donut shop to being a manufacturer of bakery ingredients. We went from manufacturing and expanded the business to be a distributor as well. And then we went into over a hundred companies. So we had geographic transformation. And so the way I positioned this to the organization was Dawn Foods is ready for our next major transformation. And this transformation is going to take us into the modern era and help us future-proof the company for the next hundred years. And that really, really resonated with people. And I can see why there was such a concrete need that you saw for, and you had the courage to challenge the status quo and also take everyone along on a journey. In your ContentCon 2022 keynote, you brought up the concept of radical resiliency to manage change. Can you tell us a bit more about that? What is radical resiliency and where does it come from? I think radical resiliency is something that everybody in e-commerce faces in every aspect of what they do, whether you're on the solution provider side or the brand side or within a business, you know, we're all doing something that's new. And so it's different. It's different and it's difficult. So let's break the terms down. Radical, radical is change management. It's upsetting the status quo. It's basically telling people that the way we work today is not going to work for us tomorrow. And what, what human being wants to hear that, right? So there's a whole, you know, soft skill. There's a whole EQ that goes into the way to deliver that message is really, really important because we all need to be part of the journey to make this happen. Resiliency. Every turn, every twist, every movement you make is met with resistance. And so having the ability to know that this is not linear, it's going to be windy. Having the knowledge that people aren't attacking me. They could care less about me. What they're attacking is this idea of change, this idea of maybe the way they're working is not the right way. And so I, I needed to, and all the people with me working together, we needed to decompose the personal and really focus on business things, objectives, tangible, tangible things. And at the end of the day, you know, radical resiliency works best when you create a language, you create common terms that the business can work together to go solve. Jasmine, if it's you against me, that's not going to be fun. But imagine if it's you and me against that, against that thing, that objective, that problem, that opportunity. If we can come together 
and fight something else, we can come together and work towards something else, that's empowering. And so we started to use words like outcome, capability. We stopped using words like activity, task. And that really helped the organization think about and, and come on board with, you know, we can build toward these outcomes. We want to create these capabilities. Show us how. And as someone who's done this dozens of times, I have a, a trick or two at my playbook to know how best to do that with people. But at the end of the day, it can't be about me. It really has to be about the organization and it has to be about the destination. Mesmerizing, decomposing the person. I was reminded of siblings very briefly while you spoke, right? As long as it's you against me, it is awful. And it's really a quarrel and it doesn't take you anywhere. But as soon as something from the outside comes in, or if you together are up against something that is a common objective or goal, suddenly the dynamics change, right? And we've all experienced that, but most of us, I don't think, transfer that to a business context, right? So that that to me is really a light bulb moment right there. When you say resilience is always met with resistance, amen. I think we've all experienced that. What's the best way to get over that, to get over the resistance? Is it talking to people one-on-one? -on -one? Can you share a little bit of your secret sauce and how to get alignment within the organization? Yeah, so, I mean, some of them are just cliches, right? You know, we publicly support, we privately you know, have the more difficult conversation. We, we be very purposeful about the ambition, about the vision, about where are we going. And we'd be very thoughtful at the same time about what's it going to take to get there. And the vision comes from me, the ambition comes from me, but what it's going to take to get there has to come from all of us. And so in many cases, you know, these are muscles that people that have never been in an e-commerce company don't have. And to be fair, that's not their fault. That's literally not their fault. And so to come at it with a mentoring, a sponsoring, a teaching, a training perspective is very, very helpful. And always using the word we, not I, and never using the word should, right? So some of it's just you know, kind of human nature and things that we all know to be best practice. But at the end of the day, what I do find very, very helpful are these, these moments of inflection or these, these times where you really have to decide, are we going to pause and let us go in, in the direction of you know, the wisdom of the crowd? Are we going to let us go in that direction? Or do we have to find a way to really say, hey, that's not going to give us to the ambition? And how best to do that is always through example or data. It can never be Bob said or something like that. It has to be, you know, where's the data to back this up? Or where are the best practices? Or where are other companies that we can all touch and see? What are they doing? And one of the first things I did when I joined was literally try to find top-to-top -to -top opportunities, right? So who are the adjacent businesses, companies that my CEO, my board, my executive team would say, yes, they are a company we respect. They're a company that operates in a similar way to we do, but not a competitor. How can I find me at that company? How can I find the CIO, the head of sales, the CFO, the CEO? How can I find them and get them to want to talk to us and share their story. You reached out to me and asked me to share my story with this podcast. 
I said yes before you even finished the question. We in this business tend to like to pay it forward. And companies, especially executives, where there's not a competitive environment, tend to like to share their story. It's lonely at the top. And to talk about this with other people and to have a two-way communication so it's not a transaction where only one entity is getting value, but you're both being curious and you're both getting value, why wouldn't people do that? And so I was able to create three different opportunities, three different companies where the senior team spoke to my senior team. And I was the facilitator. I got to create the questions. I got to guide the conversation. And what we heard time and time again is, this is hard. It's a little more expensive than people thought going into it. And they wish they started earlier and invested more. Mic drop, right? Yeah. Powerful moment for my team to hear, wish you started earlier and wish you spent more. So the work it took, the investment it took to get those meetings scheduled paid a thousand times over. And that hindsight is such a beautiful thing. If everyone had known before, it would have been, but then, you know, if it was easy, anybody could do it. So <laughs> is that, are those the moments that make you happiest seeing your team succeed, but ultimately seeing others in maybe not even your industry, but in other industries, pick up on something, making it their own? Yeah, so call me a teacher at heart, a coach at heart. You know, I'm happiest when the people around me can operate without me, right? I'm happiest when we've modeled the right way to do something that's scalable, repeatable, and people can go fly on their own and do amazing work. And of course, people come back and check from time to time. And of course, the relationship changes from boss to subordinate. It becomes peer to peer. But when those moments emerge, that's what makes me happiest. I mean, when I can help people grow their careers and see the world beyond the four walls that they saw in before I connected with them, that's really what gets me up in the morning. And whether that's a person or whether that's an entity or a company, or it doesn't really matter. But those are the things that really move me. And that's where my passion comes from. Beautiful. You're really fantastic at enabling not just people, but also organizations to make their mark. Become the best version of themselves is really what it is. It's an expression I use often. Wonderful. I'm not about companies getting bigger. I'm about companies getting better. Because when you get better, you automatically get bigger. Totally. You know, that's so often overlooked. Companies have a tendency to grow faster than they can hire the right people to do things. And then that's when it falls apart, right? So if you focus on doing it well, that's when you are successful. Not when you focus on, oh, I want to be better than the competition. It needs to come from within and, and then success is inevitable. Thanks for listening to People Changing Enterprises. We'll be back next week with a new episode helping you make your mark.